Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our sixth podcast. The XFL Draft will be taking place next week on October 15th and 16th. This is an exciting time for both the league and fans. Once the draft occurs, all eight XFL teams will have a roster of about 70 players attached to their team. In this podcast, we will introduce two guests, XFL Draft Prospect Wide Receiver Carlos Thompson and XFLBoard.com Tampa Bay Vipers Team Reporter Greg Parks. Most people know Carlos Thompson from Season 3 of the Netflix series Last Chance U. We will talk to Carlos about his time with the Independence Community College Pirates and discuss his upcoming opportunity to be drafted into the XFL. Aside from being our team reporter for the Tampa Bay Vipers, Greg Parks is an uber football fan who has been independently tracking prospective XFL players since the summer showcases. We will discuss the upcoming draft and how the XFL is doing with one of their biggest undertakings so far. I call this podcast, Here Comes the Draft. It's about the wonder and excitement of both players and fans as the draft is at hand. Let's get started. Let me introduce Carlos Thompson, a wide receiver who people may know best as being featured as a player for the Independence Community College Pirates on Season 3 of the Netflix series Last Chance U. We're going to talk to Carlos about his football career and discuss his upcoming opportunity to be drafted into the XFL. Welcome, Carlos. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. It's nice to talk to you. Nice to be talking to you too, also. So have you always been uh, playing the wide receiver uh, position? Um, yes, for the most part, um, from high school all the way through college and everything, I've been playing receiver, but starting off in football with my, with little league and everything, I actually played quarterback back in my younger days. Oh, okay. So, uh, where did you, where did you grow up? Where's your hometown? My hometown is uh, down in Houston, Texas. And I grew up down on the South side of Houston, Texas. And you always played football. I always played football from the time I turned five years old. I've always been attracted to sports. I played baseball, football, basketball, and also ran track. And you also ran track, well, of course. Yes, <clears throat> That's what makes you so fast, right? Yes, sir. All right. What was the name of your high school? I went to Manville High School. It's a little bit on the outskirts of Houston, about 20 minutes from the inner city. It's a small town high school, but we had some, played some pretty good football. Went to a state championship my junior year in high school. All right. That must have been exciting. Oh, yeah, very exciting. Got to play in Cowboys Stadium in Dallas. Just a great experience. After high school, you played for the Texas Tech Red Raiders? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I actually signed to Texas Tech, and I went out and played as a true freshman there out in Lubbock for Cliff Kingsbury. Right, and then you then you went to uh, Independence Community College Pirates after that? Yes, sir. Ended up at Independence uh, with Coach Brown. Um, just, you know, after a few years, I ended up there. Just he gave me an opportunity to play ball there, and it ended up working out that we had to show last chance you there. And last chance you showed up. That, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. It was it wasn't a planned thing or anything. We just kind of had a team meeting one day, and he announced it, and it was just it was just a great experience after that. And they just showed up, and they surprised you. <laughs> yes, sir. It was just crazy. One day they just showed up with a bunch of trucks and everything, and people started hopping out with cameras, and it was just it was pretty it was crazy. So did did you have cameras following you around all the time or just on certain days? Man, yes, sir. We had cameras following us 
just about every day, every second of the day. If you were waking up out of your room or going to class, anything, practice, anything like that, there was a camera around. So it was it was like you were being on camera uh, 24 and 7 for an entire season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was, it was you know, it took some getting used to, you know, being, able, being on camera and just walking around and having microphones and just people around at all times. It was... It was a great experience, though. I guess you really had to mind your P's and Q's, though. You had to. Uh, yes, you know, at, at times, you know, there's a few things that you got to watch out for and everything. Just letting people know around you that you're on camera and you're on microphone and everything like that. Right, right. And then, of course, the the, the backside of that is you got to see yourself on uh, on Netflix for, for an entire series. Yes, sir. It, it, was, it was great seeing myself on TV and everything. I felt like they did a great job with the show and just capturing everything that was going on in our daily lives at Independence. Yeah, it comes across as as gritty and real. Uh, yes, it's very gritty. It shows it shows those it shows the ups and I'll say the downs of JUCO. Just how real it does get with just having to deal with certain struggles that you don't have to deal with at universities. So, uh, in Last Chance, you uh, you are portrayed as a player who redeemed himself and succeeded. Yes, no, that was. I felt as if I had to go to JUCO and just really take hold of my opportunity and really show that I can get onto a positive path and keep going with my life, even though things weren't always just going great. So this this is something that happened to you for real in realizing your, your dreams of a football career. And, and then it was not to mention, was it real? It was on TV for everyone to see it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was It was just, you know, kind of, going on the path in life and figuring out what you want to do. You know, people people tend to think that the show was staged and a few things were staged, but nothing about the show was staged. Everything was real and straightforward. So what you saw when you watched it on Netflix, it was the real it was a real deal. Yes, it was the real deal. It felt it felt good seeing the finished product, you know. Seeing everything with just the cameras around and everything like that is different than seeing it all at the end and seeing just kinda of how things played out. So that's that's exciting. It must have been exciting to watch that. Now, after after your time at Independence, you went to Missouri Western State Griffins for a year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was also a great experience. That was also a great experience being able to go to Missouri Western. Just a great experience with great fans and great facilities and just a great coaching staff. And everything about the school was just a great experience, honestly. It turned out you decided to forego your senior season and you declared for the NFL draft in 2019. Can you, yes, tell us, sir. Um, can you tell us about that decision? Or? Um, yes, sir. It was just being being at the school and just kind of sitting back and realizing what I really wanted to do with my life. And I felt as if I was ready just to take that next step in my life and go chase a dream that I had been wanting ever since I was a small kid. You're still chasing that dream right now? Yes, sir. Still chasing that dream right now, hoping that I can get drafted into this XFL. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you tell people how hard it is to get down to a roster of an NFL team? Oh, man, it's terribly hard. Just There are a lot of working factors that go into getting onto an NFL roster. Like, it's not people feel like that it's just go out there and you show that you can play football and the team just says, okay, we want you. But there's just a lot of, a lot of things that go into getting on a roster, just having roster space, different players being different needs of teams and things like that. It, it makes it actually kind of tough to get onto a roster. Heard that many times. It's uh, uh, so with the XFL, there's a gives you a chance to show your stuff, and uh, and you may end up on an NFL roster. I'm sure you're thinking about that. Yes, I've been thinking about it. You know, 
But as of now, I'm thinking about the opportunities that I do have at hand right now, and that's with the XFL. So I'm just hoping just to get an opportunity with one of these XFL teams and go out there and put my talents on display for everybody in the world. The opportunity at hand is the is where's where your mind is. Yes, sir. The opportunity at hand. You can't worry about things that can come in the future. You have to take hold of the now, and you have to appreciate what you have right now and can't be thinking past where you are at the moment. Good, yeah. So I understand the XFL has been taking a look at you. Did you go to a showcase? Um, no, I actually I actually ended up going to the Spring League Showcase, which is out in Mission Vallejo, California, right. back at the end of June. And it was partnered with the XFL, so I got an opportunity there just to show them what I could do there, and they ended up liking what they saw, and I ended up with the uh, draft invite. So yeah, that's where you worked out, and the XFL saw you at that showcase then? Mm-hmm. That was a spring week, right? Yes, sir. Great. So now the XFL draft is next week. What will you bring to the XFL? Um, whatever, whatever team that I end up on, I'm going to be not only just a great football player, but a great player in the community that I'm in, and just a great teammate and a hard worker on top of a great talent that you're getting to your team. I'm going to be somebody who can come in and just go to work and be a great person in the community, just showing the children and all the fans and everybody that I care about the team in the city. So do people still, when they meet you, do they still ask you about Last Chance U? Uh, that's, I get asked that question just about every day. I get asked about Last Chance U and just how it was being on the show and just life after it. And I pretty much get asked a lot about Coach Brown, of course. <laughs> You're literally a TV star. <laughs> and Yes, sir, in a sense. All right. I'm just trying to say that you've got a little bit of cachet there because you've, you've <laughs> yes, already sir. been on TV, you know? So Yes, sir. So, you know, it's not – I guess I somewhat have a great feel of being – of already being in front of cameras and not being – and not having to shy away from the cameras and just, you know, being one of those people who it's your first time being in front of the cameras and not knowing just how to act and how to portray themselves and uphold their image. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you what team you hope to be selected by, because I know you're from Houston, but I think you've already answered that, that you're not particular whichever team thinks that they can use your services. Yes, sir. Whichever whichever one of the eight teams feels they can use the services of Carlos Thompson, I'm willing to go, and I'm happy to be there. After the draft, there's a 16-day mini camp starting in December, and then another centralized training camp starting in January. So are you ready for these training camps? Yes, sir. I've been training... I've been training every day since about since January, since the beginning of this year, just with my draft process and everything like that. I've been continuously training for these last 10 months and just making sure I'm in shape and ready to go because I, I've stayed in shape just because you never know when opportunity could come calling. And now I've had gotten an opportunity with the XFL and I'll be ready for it when the time comes. Sir, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. If, if we were if we were ready to go play and to get in the training camp and go do everything, I would be ready right now to go. So with a, a big training camp that's coming up, a uh, centralized training camp starting in January, there's going to be over 500 players at that training camp. That's quite different. But it kind of, it honestly somewhat takes me back to my JUCO days because being in JUCO, when you show up, when you show up on day one of training camp, there's about 100 to 300 guys there just looking to get on the football team and you have to go out there and just put your talents on display and everything will work out in the end. I've never been one of those guys that shies away from competition. That's just all it is. Competition breeds greatness. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be competitive. So uh, you got to bring, you got to bring the right attitude. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir, definitely. You have to bring the right attitude, but how important is it to stand out in a crowd? Um, it's very important because you have to go there and show the teams that you deserve the one of those 46-man rosters. I think the rosters are going to be 46-man. So you have to go out there and put your talents on display and assert yourself as one of the guys who deserves one of those roster spots. So you have to be humble, but you also have to be hungry, in a sense. One of the things the XFL has planned is a quick game with a short play clock, which means there's going to be a lot more scrimmages in a short amount of time. So what does that tell you about conditioning of XFL players? Man, you're going to have to be in very good shape because it's going to be a fast-paced league. I feel that it's going to be a very fast-paced league that throws the ball around a lot and just has that pace that you're going to have to keep going and be ready to go play after play. The conditioning, you're going to have to be in top shape just because you're going to have to run one play and get right back on the line and be ready to go just because of short, the shortened clock. I've actually gotten to experience the shortened clock just a little at the Spring League Showcase. They were implementing some of the XFL rules, so I've gotten to experience a few of the rule changes that they have in the XFL. So you you played that shortened clock uh, in as a trial with the Spring League? Yes, sir. We had the shortened clock, and I think they were also testing out the five-yard halo on punts and just the new the new kicking style of the game and things like that. Right. Well, that's interesting that you're involved in that. The five-yard halo, which allows punt returns and uh, kick returns uh, effectively. Yes, sir. And does away with the uh, the fair catch rule. Yes, sir. The shortened play clock, that was something that I think is... You're going to need conditioning to play the game. Man, a lot of conditioning. You're going to have to be in top shape and ready to go at all times. Yeah. Well, it's not like it's not like you guys aren't already in top shape, but I'm thinking you might have to be in tip-top shape. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, it's nice talking with you, Carlos. Uh, you gave us a lot of insight in your time at uh, Last Chance U and your career. Thanks for coming out today. And yes, sir, Mark. It was great talking to you, too. Twitter users can follow Carlos on Twitter at underscore that kid Los. Sir. So that's underscore, then uh, T-H-A-T-K-I-D-L-O-S. Yes, sir. So they should hit you up on Twitter, follow along, keep track of your career as you enter into the XFL. Is that right? Yes, sir, Mark McCann. And it was great talking to you again, Mark. Yeah. All right. That was Carlos Thompson. If all goes well, we will soon witness him catching long balls for the XFL this February. Yes, sir. We will. Yes, sir. I'd like to welcome Greg Parks to the podcast. Greg is a football fan and an XFLboard.com team reporter for the Tampa Bay Vipers. He is also a wrestling fan and a columnist at Pro Wrestling Torch, pwtorch.com. How are you today, Greg? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again, Mark. Yes, I'm glad you're back. And especially now that the XFL draft is coming up next week, and I know we've all been waiting for this, and it's just around the corner. Now, you've been following the draft process very closely. So what's your impression of this draft format? Yeah, it's it's not uh, like anything that I've seen before. And, you know, I, I didn't pay all that close attention to the Alliance of American Football, so I'm not sure if their draft was set up similar to this. But I, I thought for a long time that it was going to be difficult for them to come up with a concept that would be as fair as they want it to be. Because I think the, the and I say they, I mean the people in charge of the XFL, I think they went into the process 
with the idea that in order to get people to watch, you know, we want to have as competitively balanced teams as we can get, you know, without doing shady things to make sure that that this team gets this guy and this team gets that. We want to have the, those scouting um, departments do their part, but we also want to make the process as fair as possible. And I think when you look at uh, what information the league released about what the draft is going to be like, how it's going to be set up, I look at that and I thought, hmm, okay, that works. You know, it's it's very non-traditional, and I'm sure there were a ton of other ideas that were kicked around in the idea process of this. But I think what they landed on, you know, it works for me. Um, it's not straight up when you watch the NFL draft and it's just, you know, um, any position available at any time type of thing, uh, which, I you know, was the, the original XFL was the same way. Uh, it, it's It's very different than that. But I think in looking at it, I, I don't really have a problem with the setup or how they've um, how they've set things up going forward for the draft. So you don't see any real negatives to this format? Um, not really, I guess. I, I think there's an argument to be made for having a territorial allocation process that the original XFL had, that the AAF had. Uh, you know, one of the things that you really want to do is to get players from those with those local ties and i think that's something that's historically been important to startups because you don't have the history behind these teams to draw people you don't have season tickets that have been in families uh, for generations to draw people um you're starting from scratch and you always want to have something that fans can latch onto from the beginning but i also uh, you know i heard oliver luck uh, at one of the interviews that he did and his argument against it was, you know, while some schools are going to have stronger colleges that they're going to be able to draw from than others, and that's not really fair in his eyes. And that's when I first started to say, okay, the, the equality is going to come into play in a big, big way here with how they want to set up the rosters and how they want to allocate players. So I can understand the reason that they didn't do it, uh, but it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't have had a problem if they decided to, to have that either. So if, if teams want a player with local ties, it's up to them to make sure that they pick them early and get them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that might work too. You know, when you're, when you're down into that, um, the last segment of the draft, which is the open draft, which is basically the, anyone left over who hasn't been picked through in the other right. positional drafts, you know, that may be where you say, okay, we got a couple guys who are pretty even on our board. And if you're Tampa Bay and you've got a guy from UCF that's there, central Florida, or you've got a guy from USF, South Florida there, you might decide to take that guy. Now that's ultimately going to be up to the team and what they prioritize from, you know, the president on down to um, the GM slash head coach, the, director of player personnel, are they going to prioritize that? Some teams might, some teams might not. Uh, and, and so that's ultimately going to be up to the team, which uh, I think that's fair to leave it up to them to say, you know, how many players from our area or, or what kind of importance are we going to put on that when we draft, especially, you know, bottom of the roster guys who you get to that point in the draft and a lot of them are at the, at the same level. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch one and see how that plays out. Yeah. That's yeah. So who who are some of the players that you expect to be drafted in the first round? 
Oh man, that's such a good question. Uh, and, and it really depends, you know, because we have a first round for skill players. We have a first round for offensive line. We'll have a first round for defensive front seven and so on and so forth. Yeah. That being said though, you know how, how in your draft you say that so-and-so went number one in the draft. Well, in this case, there's going to be more than one number one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's really going to be, uh, again, this is the whole process is going to be really interesting and fascinating to see how it, how it plays out. Um, and even within those skill player positions, you know, um, we're, we're going to have the tier one players assigned, tier one quarterbacks assigned. Uh, so is someone going to spend a first round draft pick in that skill position area on a quarterback and have two top quarterbacks? Or is someone going to go wide receiver to pair with that quarterback? Um, so even then, it's really going to be interesting. Uh, and the other thing that's going to be interesting is we've seen a lot throughout the um, the XFL releasing the draft pool names. We've seen a lot of very recognizable names in there, but we've also seen a lot of players who are younger and maybe without the tread on the tires that some of the names that are more recognizable have. And I think each team is going to have a different philosophy on, okay, are we going to uh, pick a player who's younger, maybe doesn't have the kind of NFL experience, but fits in our system better? Or are they going to go with a player who has been there, done that, they've uh, had success at a high level, and maybe want that guy to be in their locker room and say, you know, this is a guy we're drafting in the first round in one of these segments who has that NFL experience and can impart that on a roster that might be short on NFL experience uh, once you get down to, you know, players 20 through 50 on the roster um, and how much that veteran experience is going to come into play. So there's just so many moving parts and so many teams with, uh, we don't know their philosophies. You know, you could go into the NFL draft and you know that the Washington Redskins are going to draft a player from Alabama. You knew that the Baltimore Ravens under Ozzie Newsom were going to draft a certain kind of player. You knew that Al Davis, when he was in charge of the Raiders, was going was gonna to pick somebody with 4-3 speed. You know, it right, was a given. Right. And with this, we just, there's so many unknowns. And it's going to reveal a lot about how these teams want to want to play the game into who they draft and where they draft them. Do we know yet how the tier one player assignment is going to work? I don't, I don't think so. Um, We know that Landry Jones was the the first tier one quarterback. It seemed to me that all of the tier one players are going to be quarterbacks, but the worst case scenario happened for the XFL in that the first few weeks of the NFL season, we saw quarterback after quarterback go down with injury. And we saw a bunch of quarterbacks who were on the street at the beginning of the season end up getting signed. And that was always the risk for the XFL as if you wanted to have top level quarterback play, it was going to be very difficult to get those guys signed on before the NFL season. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I hope that whatever the league has decided they're comfortable on and, and they've made a decision on how they want that to, uh, to work. But, um, you know, there's, there's an idea that we may not even know the tier one players and, and um, who they've been assigned to before the draft. I think that was an assumption that a lot of people made was we would know who each one of these teams tier one quarterbacks was going into the draft. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. Um, there's, you know, we, we got a lot of information about the, the draft this week, but there's still a lot left, uh, a lot of questions unanswered about how the tiered system is going to work, especially with the tier one quarterbacks. 
Right. And, and we're speculating and we're speculating over and over again. Uh, it's kind of fun, actually. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. But, but Landry Jones is not on that draft list, right? Of course, he's not on the draft list. Yeah, I haven't, you know, the, the, the we're recording this on Friday night and I haven't had a chance to look at that. Um, the fifth days uh, in the final draft pool rela- released by the XFL. So, um, you know, if you've seen it and he's not on there, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect him to be because he's not part of the draft pool proper. He's separate from that. He's not in the same uh, pool as these other players are going to be. So uh, I would expect that his name would not be in there. Well, it's not in today's. I can okay. tell you right now. I'm looking at it, <laughs> and we, we we have Hootie Jones, the safety from Alabama, but no Landry Jones. Okay. So what does that tell us? That tells us that Landry Jones is different. Yeah. We are. We know he has a contract because he's the only one that has an yep. XFL contract. So Landry Jones is one. Mm-hmm. Who are the Who are the other seven possibly quarterbacks that are missing from this draft list that yeah. will be, that will be part of the XFL? And we may not know that for a while. Uh, yeah. the, the XFL contracts don't have to be executed until minicamp begins. And the XFL may decide with the rash of injuries in the NFL, they'll hold off. And maybe some of these guys, uh, you know, the, the Ben Roethlisbergers, the, the Drew Breeses will come back and that will open up um, a, a spot in the XFL for some of these quarterbacks who will end up getting released over the next few weeks and months. And so maybe they'll hold off on that. Uh, you know, there's some pretty big quarterbacks, pretty big names who've been released in this, this draft pool. I know Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo was one that a lot of people were excited about potentially seeing in the, uh, in the XFL. He was in the draft pool for uh, one of the recent releases. Zach Mettenberger was in there, which is another big name. So uh, we can assume that they are not tier one quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting. I'm not sure how that's going to work. That's still one of the questions we, we have. And another name that's not in, in the list, but his name has been passed around is certainly by June Jones is Johnny football. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to get a lot of very different opinions on Johnny Manziel and yeah. whether he, um, is deserving of that tier one quarterback moniker. Right, I think, right. You know, um, from name value and name recognition, if you want to get people to take notice of the league, and if you're going off college production, then sure, he's he's worthy. But if you're going off of pro production, and I don't just mean the NFL, I mean the CFL, and I mean uh, the AAF, um, he's been kind of a dud there. And so, uh, right. you know, how do you balance those if you're the XFL? How do you balance the idea of wanting to get publicity for the league and in taking in a guy like Johnny Manziel and making him a tier one quarterback versus wanting to make it a merit-based system where the best quarterbacks that you have available to you uh, are designated as those tier one quarterbacks. And I'm not sure Johnny Manziel fits into that, uh, fits into that criteria. Oh, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not so sure that Johnny Manziel would be a good choice, but there's a certain amount of love for Johnny Manziel yeah. uh, that you could uh, that the XFL could cash in on, and sure. it, it'll be interesting to see whether they go that route or not. But of course, he's not on the draft list, mm-hmm. so he would have to be one of the eight, or he's not playing. Or he's in the supplemental draft in November, which they're apparently going to hold. Right, or he comes in late as you yeah. in the supplemental. Right. Okay. Now the pool of players for the draft is one thousand give or take, 
It's I don't think it's quite one thousand. And I think the number that will be drafted is well, there's seventy one per team, but I think that the the seventy one includes the eight. Um, right. So it's seventy draft picks basically. So seventy times eight teams is five hundred and sixty players. Mm-hmm. What happens to the remainder? Well, I think, um, you know, the XFL has their information. So if something comes up, uh, if you get guys who, when training camp starts in December, have taken on uh, an NFL responsibility, because remember, between the draft and December minicamps, the XFL is allowing players to pursue NFL opportunities. Right. So if a team, you know, let's say Tampa Bay, for example, has five of their drafted guys who are now in the NFL, you know, you got to fill those training camp roster spots. And so maybe you bring in a couple of the undrafted guys who were part of that initial thousand players. And, you know, you're going to have injuries throughout the year. You're going to have team nine, which of course is the, the team that Oliver Luck is going to have, where it's, um, you know, the, the team of free agents that trains and is basically ready to be called upon during the season. If injuries uh, hit, you're going to have, uh, you know, roster turnover, like you see in the NFL during training camp where guys just don't work out. Maybe you'll have guys who don't report. Maybe they've thought better of playing in the XFL or have gone a different direction with their careers. So you'll have spots open up. And I think they're, they'll draw from that pool of players who have been undrafted because like I said, they've already been approved for the process. They've already gone and, and submitted their names to the XFL. The XFL has their contact information. They've got their medical in- information, which you know was part of submitting your name to be a part of the draft. So, you know, they're, Guys on call and on standby for um, for that situation. So they, they could get a phone call. Oh, absolutely. And of course, the supplemental draft, which is something that we've heard of, and it's obviously going to happen. Um, they may be drawing on some of those players as well there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I think they want to keep that more focused to guys who are unavailable for whatever reason during the uh, initial draft phase. But uh, you know, it's possible. It's uh, yeah, it's always possible. So in the pool of players, and I know there's a lot of players there, and uh, we've looked at it. If you're like me, you've looked at it a few times, and you've gone through the different positions. And do you see any weaknesses in that pool of players? Like, do we have enough quality quarterbacks or kickers? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good question. Um, I think your concern is always going to be offensive line. And what's interesting to me is I haven't crunched the numbers yet, and I'm going to once I get the um, the final list input into my um, draft spreadsheet is I'm going to see how many players in the draft pool were also at the summer showcases. In other words, you know, what percentage of offensive linemen, for example, or what percentage of offensive tackles in the draft pool also attended the summer showcases. And I have a feeling that offensive line um, – they drew from a lot of players outside that summer showcase pool. And what that tells me is one of two things, that they felt there was a strong pool of players who were in NFL camps and who were cut at the end of August, and they aggressively pursued these players, knowing how important offensive line play is to you know quality quarterback play and quality offense. 
The other thing is they may not have been satisfied with that pool of players that they saw at the summer showcase. And knowing how important offensive line is, as I just said, they decided to really aggressively pursue, whether it's uh, from the CFL, whether it's the arena leagues or or those players who were cut by the NFL team. So <clears throat> offensive line, I think, is is going to be critical. And you always wonder if there's enough quality players because you, sometimes you watch NFL games on Sunday and you just don't think there's enough quality offensive linemen for the NFL, let alone the XFL. Uh, so I, that is a concern for me. And I think, you know, based on what I'm seeing in the numbers of, of players who are part of the draft pool versus who were at the summer showcase, I think that may have been a concern for the XFL personnel people as well. You know, when the original XFL hit the field, there was uh, some talk of some players not being in the right condition to go on the football field. Um, now, this is even more important this time around because of the shortened play clock. Mm-hmm. And even offensive linemen are going to have to have some decent conditioning to to be able to uh, run the offense right. uh, on a short play. So, I mean, it, it seems like an important position to have uh, the right pool of players. Yeah, not only that, but you talk about conditioning. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see many 340-pound uh, nose tackles in the XFL yeah. uh, with that with that style of play. And, I mean, you have coaches who coach to that style, that quicker up-tempo offense, the June Joneses, the Kevin Gilbrides, um, who are better equipped to run those kind of fast-paced offenses that you'll probably see in the XFL. So, yeah, I think that's that's going to be a premium, those offensive linemen and those defensive linemen. And you can get that in camp. I mean, I think you can, if you're a head coach and um, you're training these guys to play uh, with a different set of rules, which is what the XFL will be coming out with. And included in that different set of rules is that quick play clock. I think you have to get those players trained in training camp, spend a lot of time on that so that they know this is what the XFL this is what's expected to, of you, and this is the time period we're expecting it in. Um, so that's going to be really important for training camp for every one of these teams. Well, that's a good point. So that can be ad- addressed in, in training camp. Yeah. All right. Also, with the uh, with the XFL's planned rule changes doing away with the fair catch, it sort of, sort of means that there's real importance to get good kick returners. Yeah, and not just kick returners, but I think special teams in general is going to take on a right. greater importance in the XFL than we've seen in the NFL. And we, you know, we don't know about uh, the kick returns. Is it going to be as extreme as the NFL, where you know we see touchbacks on 75% of kick kickoffs, and and really has de-emphasized the need for uh, specialized special teams players? So, is the XFL going to have the traditional kickoff from the 20? And you know, I know that. Oliver Locken and some people with the XFL have said, look, we're not interested in getting um, getting away uh, from the kickoff return. We think that can be an exciting play. And I know they've tinkered with some rules in the spring league and with your call football about um, about kickoffs and punts and things like that. So I think those plays will be more active with the no fair catch and with the more frequent kick returns than what we see in the NFL. And that puts a premium not only on returners, but it puts a, a premium on coverage guys. Uh, you can get away in the NFL with maybe having a so-so coverage team just because you don't cover as often as you used to. With the XFL, um, I'm not sure you're going to be able to get away with that. I think you're going to need really quality special teams guys. And luckily, the pool of players you have to draw from, a lot of them have special teams experience in the NFL. Those fringe guys, 
those, you know, 46 through 53 uh, men on the roster. Uh, those are the, those are the special teams players in the NFL. And those are the guys you're seeing show up in the XFL draft pool. So uh, they're going to have experience with these guys with uh, kick coverages and things of that nature. It'll be exciting to watch kick returns. Now you've probably seen on Twitter, like I have of the number of players that are lobbying to get a spot on an XFL roster and they have not been invited to the draft. There's hundreds of good players, probably Mm -hmm. thousands. So what, what do we say to those players who are probably good enough to play in this league or even the NFL? Yeah. But will not get a chance. Yeah. I'm sympathetic to that. Um, I, I get a lot of tweets from players, you know, and they, they add their, uh, highlight videos and things like that and yep. you know um it's it's one of those things where you just can't give up on it and if you need to go to the lower levels the the arena leagues we've seen that the xfl will scout that you know we've gotten uh players who who played in um various arena leagues uh throughout the country who were invited to summer showcases who were invited to take part in the draft pool uh and, and you know just keep grinding you know that's that's the only advice i can give because uh there will be another year after this and there's always going to be a need for players even this season like i talked about the um the injuries that come up and just the the natural roster turnover of a season is going to require the league to have a set of players in reserve uh, that that teams can call on and you know they may include players who were not a part of this draft pool. I don't know what that process is going to be like and how they're going to acquire players throughout the season, but there's always a possibility that, that someone gets a phone call um, and says, Hey, so-and-so liked your tape. Uh, I know you're not, you know, haven't signed an XFL contract, but we'd like to offer you one. And cause they'd like to sign you, um, you know, there, there likely will be some sort of draft next year in the XFL and it won't just be, uh, college players who, who graduated this year and players who were cut at the end of the last year uh, or at the end of next year at the end of training camp in the NFL. It could be a, a whole host of players from other leagues too. So um, yeah, that, that keep grinding and, and make them take notice of you. And I think that uh, I think we have to understand that the league is doing its best to identify the best players. You know, they're not going to be um, discriminatory here you know if you are a good player and you are better than another big name player they're going to take you because quality of play in the league is going to be so paramount to the success of this league this league cannot afford to overlook top quality players so you know that's that's all i have to say is that um there's uh, don't think that the because you played at a tiny college that the xfl doesn't take notice of you if you are a high quality player the league will do their best. I mean, they're, they are human, but they will do their best to take notice and get you aboard. Good advice, Greg. Good advice. I'm sure lots of players will love to hear what you have to say about that. And I, I know a lot of players are actually doing taking that advice and working hard and, and, and yeah. they keep on pushing themselves to into different situations where they can show their stuff. Uh, how do you plan on taking in the draft? Uh, when the first XFL was around, you told me that you skipped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I probably won't be able to get away with it this time around. I, I mean, I, I seriously considered it, but you know, it's uh, next Wednesday is the end of our marking period in school. It's the end of the first 10 weeks when grades are due and everything like that. And, you know, I, I feel like I need to be in school to give uh, the kids the best chance to, to hand anything in late at the end of the marking period so I can get it into the grade book forum. And, and I want, I want to make sure I do right by the kids at the end of the quarter. And so, uh, I'm going to be in school and, uh, you know, at various points, whenever I get a free moment, which is not all that often, um, I will make sure that I keep one eye on on the draft and things like that. But uh, I'm sure I'll have a lot of takes once I get out of school and, and you know, posting them on in the forum on XFLboard.com, posting them on Twitter at Greg M. Parks, where you can follow me. Um, but yeah, that's I'll I'll have to figure out a way to to kind of keep one eye on it while also uh you know, keeping an eye on the kids and, and making sure I'm doing my job and everything like that. So it's a Crosby, Stills, and Nash deal. <laughs> teach teach the children well. Yes. Yeah, that's that's my number one. I mean, that's what I get paid the big bucks for, right, as, yeah. as a teacher. Yeah. So that's where my focus has got to be, and, and the it, kids deserve it. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, of, of course. So, But you can't say, well, today, class, we're going to do something really special. <laughs> we're going to follow <laughs> today the gonna th- draft. <laughs> Today I'm going to throw on a video and I'm going to be over here at my computer. Yeah, can't can't yeah. quite get away with that. That doesn't work. Okay, but but I'm sure you'll you'll pick up some of the news during the day and, uh, and yeah. people, if people do follow you at Greg M Parks on Twitter, they can get your response to the draft. Of, yeah. Now, how do you think? What's your opinion of how the XFL is promoting and presenting the draft to their fans? Well, for some. Something like this, uh, you know, and, and I'm a personnel nerd. You guys know who checked out my my um, my spreadsheet that I post on Twitter and just, you know, from the conversations I know, Mark, that I had with you last time I was on. Right. Uh, I, I'm a real personnel nerd that this is um, from the personnel side. That's what gets me going. So I always think they can do more to promote the draft. But I also have to acknowledge that people like me are probably at a minimum out there. You know, I, I'm I'm the exception, not the rule. So um I would prefer that they work on the real important stuff, the rule book, getting that squared away, um, getting the tiers squared away and and things like that, um, rather than putting all their energy into promoting the draft, which is only going to really appeal to a very small segment of the of the football audience. Um, So, you know, I, I see people saying, you know, they should air a, a draft special on online and cover it full. You know, I'm thinking. Well, that would be cool, but like for all the work that would go into that for the the guys who would have to be on and reacting to every pick for seven hours on both days or whatever it's going to be like, you know, is it really going to be worth it? And and I think that's really what you have to question is the time better spent elsewhere focusing on something else. And I acknowledge that. I acknowledge I'm in the minority that would love to sit down for seven hours on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and watch that sort of thing. But again, that's that's the exception, not the rule. So, you know, I guess I don't I don't have a huge problem with how they're promoting it. They're they're doing a nice job getting out word of some of the bigger names that are in the XFL draft. And, and even then, I mean, they're not if you're a casual NFL fan, these aren't necessarily names that you would even recognize some of them. So it, it's tough. You don't want to push it too hard. Um, but you do want to get people to know, hey, this is where we are in our process. This, it's becoming very real now because I think there are still people out there who doubt that the XFL is even going to play a down of football. You know, I think that's kind of where we yeah. are with the skepticism on that. And part of it is, you know, the, the first XFL. Part of it is the American, uh, the Alliance of American Football and how 
that went down in such a blaze that people are really hesitant to embrace or accept an alternative league having any kind of success. Um, So I think it's just a reminder to put it in the minds of the fans that, hey, we're here. This is where we are in the process. Come join us if you'd like. But, you know, here and, and the release that they put out where, OK, here's the draft date. Here's where minicamp starts. Here's when training camp starts. I think that was really smart, too. Those are kind of signposts that we can look at up ahead of some of the bigger dates in the future for the XFL. You pointed out that they're promoting some players, but I, I did notice that the players they're promoting are players that they're trying to catch cash in on the local interest of some of these players, like uh, talking about their college careers and then trying yeah. to uh, bring that back bringing that back into uh in fans minds and i think that's a good idea i think they were doing well with that yeah and i think for some guys that was their that was the best they were you know from a statistical standpoint and from just a recognition standpoint uh that that was their time to shine uh a lot of the guys are in the xfl because they didn't have a lot of nfl success there's not a lot of um, guys in the draft pool who you can hang their hat on what they did in the NFL. So I think when you go back to college, uh, a lot of these guys had tremendous success in college. And so that's really what you want to spotlight if you're the XFL. You want to show that these guys do have the ability. They've done it before at a high level at a major college program for some of these players. And even if they didn't have success in the NFL for one reason or another, uh, that doesn't mean they're not capable of, of doing well. We'll soon see some of these players uh, when they're drafted and see some of the interest rise. I'm online all the time, and I've seen the interest in the XFL wane and actually went down quite far. And as a matter of fact, you posted an article about Google Trends where you sort of pointed that out, how the interest peaked and, 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 and valleyed. And there was quite the valley prior to them announcing the draft. Now that the draft has been announced, um, I can tell you that the traffic on XFL board has gone up uh, tenfold at least in wow. its building. In its building, good. But there was a time when there was very little going on because there was no new news. There was nothing to talk about. So it's it's interesting that uh, the the level is higher now, and I get the feeling from the league that the level is going to. They want the level of interest to stay high right now, mm-hmm. and there's there's more announcements coming around the corner. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, you want to go into the season with as much um, momentum as you can get. I noticed on just following XFL's Twitter over the last few days, they went from 138,000 followers to 140,000. So they picked up 2,000 followers uh, within the last few days, ever since the, the whole draft process has played out here in front of us. And I think what's really smart of the league was you were seeing earlier in the week all of the local teams put out their season ticket pricing. And I think that was so smart to attach that to the news of the draft because you've got the draft, you've got this positive feeling. I mean, everybody loves the draft and you know we're, we're getting close to getting players. And instead of just throwing this out there in the middle of a dead time where there's no news, where no one is paying attention to the XFL, they decided to throw out the season ticket pricing and the, the sale and everything like that at the same time that the draft news was out. I don't know if that was intentional from a marketing standpoint. I would hope so, because I think that was really smart to do. And I think it made people take notice who otherwise would not have uh, of those um, season ticket packages that are being offered by these uh, eight teams. Right. And so they're using the momentum of the draft to sell season tickets. And I also noticed they were showing some of the swag they were giving away with uh, mm-hmm. with to season ticket holders. And I yeah. thought there was I saw a lot of interest in people in that. I'm sure that 
must have sparked some more ticket sales as well. So all the power to the XFL and all the power to their ticket sales, as you and I both know, that putting people in the stands is going to lead to success of this league. Yep, absolutely. And, and because not only is it, you know, not only does that tell you how well the football is doing in that market, that they're able to draw 20,000, 30,000 fans, whatever the number is going to be uh, locally, and really be a sign that football can sustain itself in that market. But also, you know, perception is reality. And if you're watching a game on television and there's 5,000 people in the crowd, you're going to think, wow, this league is not doing well. And that's probably true. So you want to fill the stands not only because it, it shows that the local market is doing well, but for fans who are watching nationally on TV, whether it's ESPN or, or ABC or Fox or whatever like that, they're going to see these, um, hopefully, these filled stadiums, and they're going to think, wow, this this league could have some legs. You know, It could make it past year one, which is sort of exactly. the threshold that a lot of these leagues have. And if people watching perceive the league as being successful, uh, eventually that it does become successful by virtue of that. More people are willing to give their money and time to watch the league and and things like that. So it is going to be key on a couple different levels. Yeah. We we know that empty stadiums hurt the AAF. Mm -hmm. That's not what killed the AAF, but it certainly was not good for the AAF to play in front of, uh, Right. Uh, huge stadiums that were certainly people perceived they were empty. So I, I think the XFL has good plans to avoid that. Uh, looking forward to see how it plays out for them. And as you know, I'm a fan of the XFL. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's been nice talking with you, Greg. I, I would like yeah. to thank you for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I appreciate you having me on again. Always fun to talk XFL with you. Yeah, yeah it was fun. And for fans of XFL Board or, or listeners of this podcast, uh, you can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. And you're still posting uh, interesting lists on Google Docs, and you link yeah. to those from your Twitter, right? As I said earlier, the fifth uh, and final list of XFL Draft Pool players was released today. And as soon as I am able to dig into that, I'm going to post the uh, a new Google Doc either late Friday night or early Saturday to... Um, to my Twitter and it's going to be a little different from how I presented the draft list previous. And it'll be, I can promise you the most comprehensive draft list that you're going to see out there. Um, and it's going to be really handy. If you are someone who unlike me is going to be able to track the draft, uh, from pick one to pick, uh, the final pick 560 or whatever it is. Uh, and you, you know, you're rooting for a team. It's going to be really cool to have that, um, have that tab open. So, you know, your team takes a player, you go look them up and say, okay, you know, where's this guy been before? Where'd he go to college? What's his NFL experience like? And I'll have all that listed for all the draft eligible players. Well, that's great. So serious football fans, check out Greg M. Parks on Twitter and you will have a draft list that will make your day. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Yeah, thank you. Well, that was Greg M. Parks, XFLboard.com team reporter for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Thank you very much. Thanks again to our guests, Carlos Thompson and Greg Parks. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You are welcome to come back next week, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFL Board podcast. <laughs>